Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode number 20, Wreck. I'm Gav. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. I'm Alex. Basically, we are four lads from Liverpool who like to sit around and bitch about films. You could say we are Carol Wrecker. <laughs> I like still not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not getting, getting it. I'm on about six. I have not got well, it at I, all. I, I look to at power, Alex every time and just this blank, confused look. To in the 80s, guys. Come on. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so, basically, if you haven't heard this show before, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. Usually, we take that film out of a hat at random. However, this month is our Halloween Horror Month, where each one of us is picking our most favourite and underrated horror films and putting them on trial. So this week we have Joel, who is... uh, I was going to say prosecuting, you're defending defending Wreck, and I was going to say The Ring again, I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Sorry, I think we need a bit of this. Jesus. That's the symbol. And ominous. Uh, That's ominous. I'm trying to create a a mood here. We're we're Halloween Horror Month, and I don't feel like I've used the soundboard enough, so it's going to be used. Oh, five sounds on the soundboard. (laughs) It's just a f- my five favourite ones. I don't think I've, I've given a, a, like an air, like a Vincent Price sort of like, ooh, hello, You've done your best. Everybody. You've done your best. Oh, right. sounds, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, if you haven't heard the show before, basically we have a load of boss stuff in it, like quizzes, songs, uh, trivia, and a load of other stuff. And lots of other, other, more than five <laughs> sounds from the Halloween horror soundboard. So you've heard that one before. Have you heard that one? Oh, sugar I mean, that's not an invitation to his final one, we haven't. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Right, okay, right. Uh, so, uh, before uh, we go on to the bulk of the show, um, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Hang on, guys. <laughs> Hang on. Nice, nice. I like that one. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty hard to find a song about wreck at the very last minute, <laughs> so I went with Spanish Harlem instead. Okay. So, uh, so uh, basically, what we're going to do is go around the circle, and each one of us is going to talk about their most newsworthy topic of the week. So, without further hesitation, Dave, what is your piece of news for the week? Um, well, it's a bit. Of, the news itself didn't start on me, but what's connected to it did. Beetlejuice uh, just got a new writer assigned to it. This is Beetlejuice Two, a sequel's been uh, penned as we speak. It got a new writer. That's why it's in the news at the moment. But I'm actually just startled at making Beetlejuice Two. That really caught me off guard. I did not know that was in the works. Uh, with regret, there's no sign of Tim Burton or Michael Keaton joining the project at this point. Ooh. So I just wanted to know what people thought. I mean, a new writer at this stage doesn't really matter, but just in terms of the sequel that's on the horizon... I'm scared, I think. I'm pretty scared. It was a scary film, Joel. <laughs> just, uh, they, there's just, you know, no film now that it gets left untouched, is yeah. there? You yeah. know what I mean? It, it didn't need a sequel. It was just, like, perfectly fine, really. And it kind of when they make a sequel and it goes tits up, it almost tarnishes what you've already got. It really does, yeah. Like The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, to be fair, we don't know. It might be a good sequel. You know, there have been good sequels before. and <laughs> Of all the sequels, there have been a few good ones. <laughs> they have, yeah, well, obviously, a lot of them are terrible. And, uh, you know, just cashing in off the old... Uh, what do they call that time? Cash money cow? Cash cow. Money cow. Cash cow. Milking I don't the care. Cow. The, mul- the milk and the money cow. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it, it could be good. I mean, I haven't seen anything that this new writer has written before, but 
And you said that Tim Burton and Michael Keaton haven't signed you, you, on. You, nope. you know, oh. I was super excited when you said uh, Beetlejuice 2. And then as soon as you said Tim Burton and Michael Keaton haven't signed on, I suddenly became very scared like Joel. They, they haven't distanced themselves from the project. They haven't said never, but they're just not attached yet. So. I, I feel they should have been a driving force in doing it from yeah. the get-go. Otherwise, but, what, you know? However, um, Tim Burton is being strongly rumoured to direct the live-action adaptation of Disney's Dumbo. And Michael Keaton is hotly tipped to be the lead or one of the lead characters in that. Dumbo. So that's, in Dumbo, yeah, right, okay. he's going to be Dumbo, not Dumbo. He's Dumbo. That's I said the lead, and then I went one of the lead characters. <laughs> Dumbo Although with a really would, deep voice. I would love to see Michael Keaton's Dumbo, to be honest. <laughs> but you know, so that might be a chance for them both to work together again. That might kind of get the creative juices flowing. It might rekindle their relationship, and then they might say, you know what, yeah, let's give it another crack. I mean, they still get along. There's no, there's no bad blood between them. There's no been no fallout. So it, it could happen. It could happen. I think it's been rumored before many times, and Keaton's always been the one holding off because he's kind of said, "No, I want to wait until the script is really good before I can commit to it." Which says a lot because he was only in Beetlejuice for about eleven minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved Beetlejuice, but I didn't feel any need. I've never thought, "Oh, if only they could do a sequel of Beetlejuice." I, I don't have any need. I, 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 maybe it could be good, but there's nothing in me going, "Oh no, they should." You know, there's more to explore. I feel like it was done. It was good, done, finished. You know, next idea. And no disrespect to Alec Baldwin or Gina Davis, but uh, they have aged <laughs> since the film. Obviously, I, I didn't want to say it, but I was thinking. <laughs> Winona Ryder too but, could probably yeah well Winona Ryder wasn't a ghost I mean Alec Baldwin ah, okay. and Gina Davis yeah, you would it. imagine yeah, yeah, would stay yeah. the exact same as, as when they passed uh, however they might not be in it maybe it might be a case of Winona Ryder returns and she's a ghost and who knows you know can you imagine if Michael Keaton isn't Beetlejuice no 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 like, I mean it's like when they recast Freddy Krueger um, uh, Jackie O'Hurley did a good job but, but he's not, he's not, not England, England he's not England here yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, right, moving on. Uh, sorry, firstly. <laughs> Terrifying swarm of bees. Candyman. Wickerman. Uh, well, I, I couldn't find uh, crickets. Uh, what about this? I, oh, no. You couldn't so, find crickets. No, no, not crickets. I meant uh, and beetles, but then I saw the word crickets, so I thought that might... Jesus. Terrifying. Yeah, wow. That is terrifying, isn't it? Like being on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to Joel. What's your piece of news for the week? Okay, so... We been we kind of binned off the trailer of the week, didn't we? So yeah. if we if we like a trailer now, we're just going to talk about it in this segment. So Black Panther just had has had a new trailer this week. Jesus Christ! What, what even what was that? <laughs> it's a Black Panther. It's a Black Panther. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to start doing this when Gav is talking. Can someone get it off him and do it when he's doing it? <laughs> Sorry, Joel. Go on. Um, so yeah, you know, it's a Marvel film and they're all kind of leave, leading up to Infinity War. So the, all the stories are going to be interconnected. So really, if you've been following following it, sorry, you need to kind of watch this. But the trailer looks actually very good. Uh, the, the cast is also very good. Um, there's a lot of kind of big stars in there that have, that have signed on, like reprised roles as well. Um, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, obviously is, is the main part. You've got Michael B. Jordan, uh, you've got Andy Serkis in there, Martin Freeman, and then you've got Michonne from The Walking Dead, uh, Danai Gurira or something, I'm not sure how you actually say a name properly. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, the, the trailer does look very exciting. It looks like, um, you know, it was one of them where Black Panther is anybody really asked, 
but you watch the you watch the trailer and it does you know as I say it does look uh, fairly exciting. It's a pretty good cast actually. So I uh, to be honest, uh, when the first poster came out, we discussed it a while back. I just thought it was really really lazy. The second poster came out, it was almost as lazy. It was the old floating heads one, which ordinarily I absolutely hate. I hate it when it's just like so unoriginal. It's just like let's get everybody mm. in the film. And we will have the heads floating on, on the on the poster, um, but the sizes will uh, represent their importance from the film. So we'll have the main characters, the biggest he- head there, and then you know, the smaller the part, the smaller the head. Usually, I hate that. And with Black Panther, though, because I'd kind of not read up too much about it, I was surprised by how excellent the cast is. And actually, I was like, you know what? The, the poster is terrible, but the fact that there's so many boss familiar faces in there, I can't wait for it. See, I don't like Martin Freeman. I really don't. I find him really difficult. Ooh. Yeah, no, disagree. I, I just Martin think Freeman. he's. You know, I loved him as Tim in The Office, but that's all he's done ever since, and every for all he's ever Ooh. done. I thought he did a good job in The Hobbit. I thought he was good in, in Fargo. He was, but he was Tim in The Office. It, what in Fargo? Yes. Right. Okay. There was a bit more to it than that. I thought yeah. he was very good in Fargo. I really want to watch that startup that he's in at the moment with Ron Perlman. But moving on, anyway, I was going to say um, Black Panther. Uh, I, I didn't know that my favorite actress of all time is is in the film uh, Angela Bassett. I think she is the best. I absolutely love her. And when I saw her on the poster, I was like, Oh my god, Angela Bassett's in this film. She's tremendous. And then you've got Forrest Whitaker as well, who I think is incredible uh, I mean I, I think he's taken a bit of a panning recently I don't know whether it's big... Rogue One yeah, no 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 because Rogue One was a sort of resurgence I think uh, before Rogue One in between the kind of uh, Last King of Scotland and Rogue One there was a, a period when I don't know maybe he wasn't seen as as much of a credible actor as he is uh, I don't know whether it was just a, a, maybe his choices that he was making I mean I still think he's fantastic but uh, the fact that he wasn't given the sort of it was almost given like the Nicolas Cage sort of treatment. Like, yeah, he's won an Academy Award, but, you know, what's he been in recently sort of thing. Well, the fact is that he is a fantastic actor and I can't wait to see him in this film as well. The old F. Murray Abraham curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did just watch the trailer before and, oh my God, I, I don't know why I even bother. They just give away far, far too much. Mm. Uh, visually, it looks absolutely stunning. It looks like probably the best Marvel film when it comes to visuals, I think. Mm, wow. Even more so than Guardians of the Galaxy. The, the, the different colours, it's so vibrant to see. Um, you know, the special effects in it, I mean, I can imagine it's probably going to be overused as they are in Marvel films. But the, the glimpse that I saw, it was, it was quite well well done. And, you know, we've got a tremendous cast there as well. So looking forward to it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so sorry, I just kind of steamrolled ahead there. I just get excited when I'm talking about Angela Bassett. <laughs> uh, okay. So on to my piece of news for the week. Uh, right. So I wanted to uh, anyone who's playing Gav Bingo at home. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about sexism in Hollywood. Everyone. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I was reading an article the other day, and I thought it was really, really interesting. To be honest, interesting but also horrifying. Uh, it, so it's a, it's a question to the guys actually what percentage of women occupy top roles in films like in film studios mm, yeah so Ooh. so uh, I, I, hang on, I'll break it down a little bit more so in 2015 uh, the top 250 grossing films uh, what percentage of women do you think occupies roles in direction producing editing or cinematography so the four biggest roles um, it's going to be low, isn't it? Um, 
Yeah. Let's go 22%. I'd go lower. Uh, yeah. 12%. Okay, so it's in between there, to be honest. It's 19%, which I think is a, yeah. a little yeah, bit ridiculous, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, in, in the UK last year alone, um, 13% of women directed films, uh, 17% were writers, and less than t- 10% did stunts, director photography, or com- uh, music composition. And that's out of 25,000 films that were made. So it just kind of goes to show you that there is still such a massive gap. I remember seeing some statistic where you actually look at the big Hollywood studios as well and like the actual, you know, the the, the uh, roles, you know, the jobs taken by women there is ridiculously low. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but, you know, it is insanely low how, how many women are in those big Hollywood, you know, like the producers, all of those, you know, it's it's ridiculous how low it is. Yeah, I'd, I mean, we had this conversation a while ago talking about Wonder Woman and I said that I'd seen it recently and oh, I, I thought it, it, was, yeah. it was fantastic, to be honest. I thought Patty Jenkins did an incredible job. And I'm hoping now that that is a sort of barrier that's been broken down. But maybe there was a stigma beforehand that women couldn't direct action films, mm, you know, from okay, yeah, you know, yeah. uptight, bloody uh, middle-class old white guys saying, you know, oh, no way a woman can direct an action film. But the fact is that it's become one of the top grossing films of the year and maybe of all time, I think it's creeping up there anyway, maybe into the top 20. And it was such a fantastic uh, and critically acclaimed film as well. I think that's just, just gone to show everyone, it doesn't matter what your gender is, it just matters how good you are, and she was tremendous. By far the best DC film that's been out in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Easily. Definitely. definitely. It's almost an insult, though, I fear, I fear you know, kind of <laughs> saying very, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's a backhanded compliment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no but, no, but the fact that people are talking about it in the same sort of bracket as the Dark Knight trilogy is something because, yeah. you know, it, it, I, th- I thought it was it was great. It was a breath of fresh air for DC who have been trying to go in a different direction from Marvel but unsuccessfully for a while now. And I What thought, direction do you think they're trying to take? Much darker. Is it just dark? Yeah. I, okay. I think with Gritty. Marvel, they follow like a certain formula. So you know what you're going to get from Marvel film. It's quite light. It's quite comic book-like. Uh, but it's always, it follows like an ABC sort of formula. Um, so one of the things I remember reading an interview with Zack Snyder a while ago, and the way he was tempting directors to come and work for the DC Universe was saying that, okay, we've got a, a beginning and an end, and what you do in the middle is up to you. So it was giving uh, directors more freedom with, within the film. And also putting a darker spin onto it as well. So anyway, so that went on a big tangent. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, but just to pass over to Alex for the last piece of news for the week. Yeah, mine. I mean, mine's not big news about films. Uh, it's just Stranger Things is coming out on Netflix in the next week, and I'm super excited. Like I, I loved it when it came out. It's kind of a, a sleeper hit. You know, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be as big as it was, and it was huge. Uh, I watched it again recently and I loved it just as much. And I'm, yeah, I am just massively excited about season two. So is everyone else, does everyone else like it? When yeah, it came out? definitely. Well, um, you know, I went to a wedding um, at the week, this past weekend and um, I didn't know anyone there. It was uh, one of my girlfriend's friends. And uh, I got speaking to a lad and he, he, we were talking about TV uh, and he basically said, yeah, I've, I've cancelled 
um, an appointment. I've cancelled pretty much my day uh, to stay in and watch Stranger Things wow. too. Well, he's just going to um, binge it. Yeah, he's just going to binge it. Wow. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it. You know, it was one of them where you watch the original. Everyone was like, "Oh, watch this, watch this," and you're like, yeah, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it." And then you do watch it, and you you're like pretty blown away by it. And just so kind of original, all the, all the music and like the uh, nostalgic feel to it all as well. Yeah, it was original and yet obviously taken from familiar. Stephen King and extremely familiar. So it's, yeah, it was just, just so well done. Who's the guy who plays the cop in it? David Harbour. Yeah, he was, he was so good. Yeah. You know, watching it again, it was like, oh man, he's like so good in this. He's one of those guys, he's been around for a long time. He's sort of been in the background as a sort of character actor. <laughs> And now I think he's getting some recognition, especially from Stranger Things. Because he's Hellboy now, isn't he? He's been cast as Hellboy. Um, we tweeted the first photo of, of him as Hellboy, and it looked fantastic. I mean, just looking at it, I was like, oh, that's a picture of Ron uh, Perlman as Hellboy. W- wait a minute! <laughs> <laughs> I rubbed my eyes in disbelief. So one thing I'm going to do, though, I'm not going to binge watch it. I'm going to try and watch an episode a week. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah try and space it out a bit. You know what, just you know, keep the cliffhangers, you know, keep it, because, yeah... I think that's, that's how it should be watched. I, I'm really interested to see how it plays out, to be honest, because I thought the first season ended quite well. It's mm. sort of like close, yeah. The only thing, I wish the, you know, the scientist, the grey-haired scientist. Matthew Modine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I felt like his comeuppance was a bit meh. You know what I mean? A bit rushed. A bit rushed. A bit sort of shoehorned in. I was, I was a bit like, oh, really? Is he not coming? When, when it sort of credits rolled, I was like, okay, was that, was that it? But very small. I just thought it was nice to see Matthew Modin getting work still. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who hasn't yet followed our uh, music maestro Austin on Twitter, please do so at Aussie Ray and you'll see his Halloween costume from last year was the um, uh, kind of monster from Stranger Things. Was it? Yeah, it was excellent. Have you not seen it? I haven't oh, seen it. Brilliant. He kept it in his van for That's hard to do. Yeah, months afterwards. You know, <laughs> so you'd just be driving along and if he broke too hard, these giant monster arms would come flying out. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for the news. Oh, no. No, it's all, it's all failing now. Production values are plummeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway right okay so if you've never heard this show before uh basically we take a film and we put it on trial as i said earlier this week is the last in the series for halloween horror month so we've all had a go at defending our most favorite beloved yet underrated horror films and this week it is Joel's turn. He is going to be defending Wreck and he's going to be trying to put it on the hit list. But trying to stand in his way and acting as prosecution, it is my good self. And I'm going to be trying to condemn it to the shit list. Acting as character witness is going to be Dave, who's going to be giving his genuine opinion and throwing a bit of weight behind each side of the argument. And in the most important role in the show mm-hmm. is the judge which is going to be played by Alex. And his role is to basically listen to the arguments and decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments that are put to him and not using his own opinion. So, uh, without further hesitation, I will give a little bit of a, a insight into the film and read out the synopsis. Are you going to do it in Spanish? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the day, man. 
Uh, you, okay, right. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I'm not going to do it in Spanish or a poor Spanish accent. Yeah. I was going to ask for that, but then I thought maybe not. Yeah, it might be a bit uh, yeah, insensitive, culturally insensitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'll just do it as, as me. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a television reporter and cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. Hmm. That sounds very ominous. Jesus. <laughs> that one goes on forever as so. well. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, passing it over to Alex as the judge. Okay, I want a fair fight, guys. Um, let's. Is there anyone who would like to go first, prosecution or defence? Yeah, I'll go. Okay, defence, off you go. Okay, so... I've watched a lot of um, zombie films, and although this isn't like a generic zombie film, it's not kind of um, labelled as a zombie film, you know, I know enough to kind of dis- differentiate a good zombie film from a bad f- zombie film, and you can tell uh, the directors um, have done that as well. You know, I'm not going to attempt to say the name because I don't want to, uh, you know, butcher them, basically. Uh, but there's just some really, uh, you know, nail-bitingly sus- suspenseful sequences in this film. It's genuine, genuinely terrifying, and just the name, you know, I think it's a really simple name, uh, but it obviously it just stands for the little symbol on your camcorder when you press and record. And it kind of basically tells you what you need to know before you've even watched it. So the handheld point of view style isn't really anything new to horror, but it, it's more or less the first film that actually gets it right. You know, you've got like the Blair Witch Project, where it's like a bumbling kind of film student. You've got like Cloverfield, uh, where it's like a terrified, just kind of everyday citizen. Uh, with this kind of shaky camera running action, all that type of stuff. But here, um, you know, the the person wielding the camera called Pablo, he is actually a cameraman. This is actually his job. Uh, So there's plenty of kind of shaky camera running sequences. Uh, But when things slow down, you know, the shots are really kind of neatly framed for a kind of found footage uh, portable camera film. You know, he knows where to put the camera. He knows where people should be standing to make things interesting. And um, he's more than a character. He kind of becomes the camera. It's like you're kind of right there with him. Um, And by giving us like a professional handler of the camera, it it sucks you into the action a a lot more than, you know, it would be as if it was just uh, kind of shaky all the time. It's like you're actually in the the thick of the zombie outbreak. And when, you know, aesthetics call for a camera spotlight um, or the kind of uh, weird green night vision, they aren't just kind of cheesy visual devices that kind of fuel the scare. The actual... They actually kind of really add to the story and the um, they move the scares along. Uh, so overall, you know, it, it starts off, you're following firefighters into a building. They've had a call uh, about an old woman. She's been trapped in her apartment. And when the policemen and the two firemen arrive and they break into the apartment, they are attacked by the shrieking woman. Um, she's in kind of a bloodstained nightdress and suddenly the building's on, on lockdown. You know, the cops are kind of shouting, uh, that there's a health threat and they're basically then trapped inside the building with, with a bunch of uh, panicking neighbours. And Angela, the main character, during this time, she kind of keeps up the commentary. And it, it's this bit which I, I did really like about the film. You know, as I said, I've seen a hell of a lot of zombie films and this is probably the only one where you get to witness the actual beginning of a zombie outbreak. So never really do you actually get to see the start. You know, some films have kind of tried to touch on it uh, but they've never really done it. And in this one, you get to see the start. And not only that, it actually explains how it began. 
uh, which is kind of a, a common criticism that you get with a lot of zombie films. They don't actually describe uh, how the outbreak happened. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, overnight the zombies now type of thing. But you get to um, kind of see how it starts now. There's kind of uh, little bits and bobs that are explained about the way, you know, there's a dog who's got tonsillitis, you know, it's kind of hinted maybe he's got something to do with it. And then they, they find a tape uh, which explains it a little bit further. Um, which was uh, the penthouse owner, um, and he has kind of been messing about with like a, a biological enzyme. He kind of uh, experiments on a young, younger girl, um, and then he kind of he kind of locks her in his house and, and pretty much leaves her to die. Um, so the film overall, it's got a really really claustrophobic feel. You know, it's as much about kind of being trapped in this building as it is about zombies. You know, the the U.S. remake was called Quarantine. Uh, which is kind of uh, what they are. They're kind of quarantined in this house. And it really is kind of as much about being trapped as the, as the zombies. And the claustrophobic feel, it remains kind of at fever pitch throughout the full film. When the kind of events start to take a turn for the worse uh, during the initial attack, you know, it really does kind of never let up. There's really, really narrow camera angles and it gets very shaky towards the end and it just gets extremely tense. There's a huge amount of jump scares, and they're all pretty much genuine ones. Uh, just one special mention as well. There's, I've never really kind of seen a film use a staircase so effectively. There's a really, really great shot in this film uh, towards the end where uh, the camera kind of goes out and pans over down the stairs, and you just kind of see uh, like all the zombies and stuff down the stairs, and it's just like, you know, it, it, it's so terrifying just seeing it, and it's it's a really good tension builder as well because you know that they've got no way out you know these things are kind of blocking the way out and also the staircase is only there isn't enough room for everyone just to run up it type of thing it's a really narrow staircase and again it just kind of adds to the whole feel Uh, so just going back to the to the start of the film uh, you know when we first see the when we first see the attacks uh, they're they're always kind of down a hallway uh, or through cracks in a door Uh, there's people and objects kind of obscuring your view sorry and towards the end as the, kind of the zombies close in uh on the on the surviving cast members uh, you see the zombies kind of through through spotlights and uh, so you almost see less of the action even though there's nothing in the way anymore but it's because um it's it's gotten a hell of a lot darker it's more claustrophobic and it also kind of adds to the tension again because it's almost like the the fear of the unknown you don't actually know what's there uh but you at the same time, uh, you know, that there's some kind of bad stuff going on. Um, and even the most kind of predictable events, they, I mean, in this film, it, you kind of have these moments of uh, realisation where you'll just be gripping the armrest and suddenly you just realise kind of how tight, like you're holding onto the couch or whatever. And it's just a really, really tense film. Um, it's really simple and straightforward, but it means like the pacing allows for that to be like an asset to the film rather than a detriment. Uh, there's lots of scenes that play out in the shadows uh, with stony silence and they give you like this really long lead in and you pretty much know that it, there's going to be a jump scare like it doesn't try and hide it. It's kind of like the directors trying, you know, trying to play games with you a little bit. Horror films do quite a lot, uh, but here it's still genuinely terrifying. Even, you know, when it's happening, uh, you know, I jumped out, I jumped out my seat. Um, and it just creates a whole kind of like you are there experience, like nothing really that you've seen before or that you will see before. Um, nothing really feels staged, the scariest moments, the things that are happening in the frame. But as I said, they're not front and centre, so it's not everything that you see 
uh, on the camera. You hear little bits and bobs, like it'll scroll past little bits and bobs. And as the st- story sorry, slowly gets revealed, uh, you just get even more uh, kind of unnerved. Uh, the gore, like it isn't pointless. It's really, really visceral. Uh, you know, as I said, I've seen a lot of zombie films in here. Like it is, it's almost minimal, but when they do use it, like it's really kind of striking. Um, you know, people are almost uh, desensitized to kind of zombie bites and stuff these days. But, you know, as I said here, it's it's very, very striking. And just a, a quick one on the sound effects. Um, you know, what you hear without seeing is is possibly in this film even worse. You know, it kind of plays on the whole fear. You know, as I said, it, it's basically claustrophobia. Uh, you see...
but suing people relentlessly who's also a racist. So it's quite hard to sympathise with any of these characters, especially when they die, because we're, we're left thinking, well, you know, I'm what, to be honest, you're, you're, you're unlikable characters and we don't care. Um, as the film goes on, the action ramps up and the incessant shouting begins. It's, it's all the characters, all the time, over each other, you know, as I said, once again, I was thankful that there were subtitles there. It wasn't the fact that, you know, it was in Spanish. If it would have been an English language film as well, I would have had difficulty understanding it because all of the dialogue was said at the exact same time at the exact same high-pitched shriek. The fact is it was hard to distinguish what one character was saying. And this is throughout the entire film. We literally don't know anything about the characters at all. So when they come to die, we don't really care. And the dialogue is, as I said beforehand, it's so paper thin that they try and paste over that fact by having this like kind of frantic shouting throughout. The fact is that there's, there's no real dialogue there for the characters to say. So they just kind of have to do improvised screams and, and shouts, which doesn't kind of replace the fact that there's just no good dialogue in it. So... Okay, thank you, Gav. Uh, Joel, uh, Gav's sort of saying there's not much characterisation in this at all. What would you say to that? Uh, well, yeah, he's pretty. I mean, he's pretty much laid the groundwork for me. He's pretty much done half my job for me because you know, as would I said, you agree, they're terrible. As I said before, <laughs> it's a simple film and it's really straightforward. You know, it is a, a camcorder film. It's found footage. You know, whatever you want to call it, and the whole point is that you're in an experience in a zombie outbreak. So it's not like, you know, the shining, you're not going to flesh out these characters. You're not going to get to know their backstory, anything like that. This is happening now. You know, it's meant to be almost like you're, you're watching it live on a TV and at no point do you ever want to uh, kind of get to know these characters. But, you know, Manuela, I think she's called Manuela, Manuela Velasco. Uh, she actually got critical acclaim for her performances. Angela, uh, she's a really convincing uh, TV reporter and a kind of subsequent Trevor when kind of shit start going down. It's all, all kind of like the more infectious as a result of that because you do uh, genuinely see almost like what a what a normal person would experience in that scenario. You know, Gav touched on again, almost doing my job for me, or like the shouting and screaming and that type of stuff. This is genuinely what happened. Uh, you know, what would happen, sorry. Uh, people wouldn't just be going around kind of really calm and collected, all that type of stuff. Um, and there is kind of strong support cast. So uh, again, Gav mentioned uh, the two firefighters and there isn't that much time to get to know them. But like I said, the situation uh, unravels and uh, kind of reveals itself in such a way um, that it, it's really fast paced. There's a lot of kind of stuff going on um, and you don't really get to know them before all the running and screaming starts. But it's not uh, a bad thing in in this situation as i said i think if there was like a, a little bit of a kind of downtime where they were sat around in a room uh chatting with the backstory it would just absolutely destroy any type of building tension or any type of uh you know um kind of ha how you feel like in the film you know you kind of do get dragged into the film uh when you are uh you know watching uh, through the camcorder and that would just destroy all that so i think the actors they all kind of come across very natural you know, as I said before, um, if you've watched a lot of zombie movies, you will know that there are kind of generic character types. Um, and George A. Romero does it a lot of the time. So, uh, for example, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, actually. The big, muscly, uh, he's in Mission Impossible, is it? Bing Rains. Bing Rains, yeah. So he's like a generic, uh, tough guy cop. He's just not believable, you know, as a cop at all. He's got like a massive shotgun. 
Um, there's like a kind of a funny guy. There's they go and play like golf on the roof. Um, you know, there's there's just kind of like all these kind of generic roles. Whereas in this, uh, you just don't get it. And like I've said, there isn't really any character arc or anything like that. But that really isn't the point of the film. Um, so casting characters is a pretty easy one for me, I think. Okay, thank you. Um, Dave, I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts on this. Um, my main thing, I'd, I know you've got your own things to say, but Gav's sort of saying that these are 1D characters and you kind of don't care if they die or not. Uh, Joel's saying that, like, actually, you know, zombie films don't really ever do, like, massive amounts of characters. It's a, it's a film that's meant to be real, so it's kind of, you know, there's not going to be time. It's, it would break the tension for them to be off. But, you know, you do, you know, you're still invested in them and you still want to see them survive and, and, and win the day. Where did you feel when you were watching it? Did you care about the characters? Did you care if they died? To an extent, yes, with certain characters. There's some characters, Gav's right, some of them are quite deplorable um, and you don't really much care for them, but that's just, that's people. You meet people like that. They're actually quite realistically represented. Like the character of Cesar, who Gav said is the uh, the racist, he's vain, he's arrogant, he comes up with these horrendous racial connotations about the, the Chinese family. He's not a pleasant man. You know, he's he's trying to find his best angle when he's being interviewed and things like that. He's not likable, but he's kind of, with regret, kind of believable that someone out there, that these people do exist, and it's every chance that you could find yourself in a zombie apocalypse trapped in a building with a man just like that. It's plausible. And... In the heat of a moment, when there's a zombie apocalypse breaking out around you, you're not going to get a chance to sit down and go, so tell me about your dreams, your fears, you know, you're not going to get to know people to that extent. We get a little bit of that through the interviews carried out by Angela and her cameraman, which is what they're there for. Um, But you're never going to find out that much about the characters. You're never going to get a full backstory on them. But what I do like about this film is that Unlike with some found film um, the genres like Blair Witch Project, there's a good reason why they're still filming. I mean, Gav says that um, Angela Vidal's not a particularly likable character, and no, she's not. She's very flawed. She's very much. She's very hungry to prove herself as a reporter. She's got this dead end job. It's like one of the firemen joked to her on the way to the the crisis. Oh, what's this film called? It's called uh, While You Were Sleeping. You know, basically going around filming people who work while the rest of the city's asleep. And he's like, well, who's watching it then? And the idea is no one is watching it. It's, a, it's not a great TV show. She's a, it's a dead-end job for her. She wants to move on to bigger and better things. That's why when she finds herself in this crisis unfolding, this is a great opportunity. She does see it as an opportunity at first. And again, although it's not particularly commendable, it's plausible that there could be someone like that in this kind of outbreak. And it's nice that, unlike with the Blair Witch, they have a reason to keep filming. With Blair Witch, it's like, guys, you're just fighting with each other. Put your fucking cameras down. Get out of the fucking woods. And with this one, it's just like, it makes sense that, you know, she keeps telling Pablo, keep filming, keep filming. I mean, they have to put the camera down every now and again upon instruction. But it's... uh, It it does work. It does kind of make sense in this this, um, scenario. Um... And I would say that the sporting cast, there are some good performances in there. I thought uh, Ferran Terrazza, who plays uh, Manu, one of the firemen, I thought actually did a very good job on this one. In the moment where the police officer is trying to take control of the situation, where the, the health officer who comes into the building is trying to take control, the only one who seems to have a, a, a grip on what's going on is Manu. He's the only one who can calm people down when they're screaming at each other, which would happen. People would start tearing chunks out of each other, whether it's a zombie outbreak or not. People would start tearing shreds off each other, and he's the one man who's like, right, everyone, shut up. This is what we're going to do. When 
other authority figures fail. I think he's a very good character because he does have his stressed moments. He does have his moments where he sees about to break, but he reins it back in. I think he's actually a very well-rounded character without going for the jugular and like, let's find out about his backstory. What's his motivation? It's just, he is who he is. He's in this scenario. And if you were in that scenario, you'd be glad he was there. So I think, although you don't learn too much, you learn enough. And I think it just, it, it does make it quite immersive. You wouldn't get to know people if you were in this scenario yourself. It's that immersive thing again. You wouldn't know much about them. You could be in there with strangers. Here you are. This is the people you're in with. Like it or not, what are you going to do? Well, I think that and you've touched upon a good point there in the fact that there is that sort of interview section of the film where uh, the main character interviews the supporting characters and says, oh, tell us what, what you've, uh, you know, what, what, what are you feeling right now and tell us a little bit about yourself. And I think, as you said, that point there that could have been a little bit more it could have given a little bit more depth into each one of those characters the fact of the matter is we're introduced to four or five different characters or couples from that apartment building and four out of five of them just convey the same message that they're racist and you know there's there's nothing else to it you know it's not like a kind of varied or layered thing it's just like sort of oh yeah it is a guy He's, he's a bit vain, but he's racist. I think it's you kind know, of plausible, it's, though. It's 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 panic. When people panic, you know, there's a terrifying scenario uh, breaking out around them, and it's just like, right, what do we blame? The minority. Let's get, it's the Chinese couple's fault, and there's one guy who's clearly quite racist, and there's, I don't think the elderly couple are per se, but you can see they're clutching at straws. They, people are just looking for an explanation for the irrational, and they are pointing the finger at the minority, and again, I hate to say it, that's not unbelievable. Thank you, Dave. Um, Okay, I think it's time to wrap it up now. So I'm going to ask for final points. Joel, would you like to go first? Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, I have seen many, many zombie films, and this for me has always probably stood out. I'll probably say, well, not probably, it is the best one I've seen, and probably um, in the horror genre, I would say it it deserves a slot in, in one of the best ones, probably in the last kind of 10, 20 years. You know, it is genuinely very very tense like i said there's just kind of like these moments where you realize kind of how how tight you're kind of gripping onto the couch or kind of like your feet are all curled up because you're so tense and all that type of stuff it is genuinely a really tense film okay thanks and gav your final point please I'd say it wasn't really tense. Uh, the uh, the illusion of tense or tension is actually built up by shoddy camera work throughout. It's that sort of, you don't really know what's going on and that's why it's tense. But if the camera was still, then it wouldn't have been as tense. I think the fact is that that poor camera work is, is there as a tool to cover up a lot of the cracks that were within this film the fact that they didn't have a good budget, the fact that the characters weren't fleshed out a lot, the fact that the plot is very, very, very thin. It's incredibly thin. It's a case of they arrive at the building, all hell breaks loose, that's it, really. And the fact uh, that the dialogue is terrible as well, and the fact that that this kind of shaky camera is used as a tool to cover up so, so much. I don't think it's a very original film. I think it does kind of fall into the old found footage trick of why you've got to ask yourself a question why are they still filming at this point and there's just so many parts in that film where you just think if you were a cameraman in that point you would have put the put the camera down and run because carrying that big camera with you at that point couldn't have helped him in any sort of way it wouldn't have been beneficial to him in his escape plan and i know the argument is well you know the the main reporter told him to keep on filming but there's parts at the very end where you're thinking it doesn't really matter because this is sort of life and death 
and it's more about getting out. So, you know, it's, it's not a case of keep on filming, just get out. So I think it's unbelievable and it's, it's, it's poorly filmed. Uh, Dave, as character witness, is there anything you'd like to add finally to, it, to anything? Um, no, just to reiterate what I said, I think although Gav comes up with some good points, I wouldn't say it is particularly original, but I'd say they do put a very good polish on it and their own kind of spin. Um, yeah, just to say that I, I disagree. I think there's some good characters in here. I think it, it is very plausible, very believable. Okay, thanks very much. Well, I, I'm, I'm ready to give my verdict. Are we going to do, yeah, we're going to do a bit of quiz day first. So while we're talking about characters within uh, Wreck, uh, first off, I, I might add that I actually forgot my Biffy song for the film. Oh. You can but do it now. Guys. I'm going to do it now, <laughs> Please so don't do worry, it now. don't worry. <laughs> so, um, so are you ready for this one? Yeah. Okay, so obviously, so we'll just pretend that this happened earlier when I say, oh, the film, that we're going to put on trial is Wreck. Uh Chickity, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Chickity, check yourself before you wreck. Yeah, okay, right. So it probably was not worth the wait. I liked it. That was good. I enjoyed it. That was a fun. But, um, so my, my quiz song, you might like this one, Dave, is, um, uh, what? My Dave quiz, what? My Dave quiz, what? My Dave quiz, quizzy quiz, Dave. <laughs> Loved it. Loved yeah, it. Very, very rap theme. Uh, it is actually. Yeah, yeah this week. Um, obviously it goes to show you that rap is not my forte <laughs> they were both terrible and a while ago exactly uh, give me some Elton John any day to be honest uh, okay so very very simple one this one Dave I want you to tell me if you can identify characters from the Wreck franchise and national parks in Spain in a quiz <laughs> in a quiz I like to call Parks or Wreck uh, nice very nice. nice nice okay so, I'm not going to stand a chance on this you know this is all guesswork right so so some of them I've just uh, shortened to just the one word to make it more um, difficult so it could be a second name could be a first name could be the name of a park could be both okay right so number one is this a park or wreck Danada Danana uh, I'm at the park. Alex? Uh, wreck. Mm, park. Uh, and Alex, I'm sorry, but just to kind of give people a bit of context, uh-huh. Alex is a fluent Spanish speaker. Uh, so you're actually wrong with that one. Sorry, man. It is a national park in Spain. 134,000 acre park in Seville. I like the little tidbits of information you put into this. <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> well, you know. Okay, number two. Um, Garayone. Is that a park or wreck? Arione. Park. I'm going to say park as well. It doesn't sound like a name. I'll go wreck then. And once again, it is a park. Well done, Dave. A 9,000 acre park in the Canary Islands. <laughs> 9,000? Goodness. That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm learning on this quiz tonight. park in the Canary Islands. Okay, number three. Paco Plaza. Is that park or wreck? Paco Plaza. Plaza. Well, Paco sounds like a name, but Plaza doesn't really... I'm going to say Park. I'm going to say Wreck. Wreck. Sorry, Dave, it is Wreck. Paco Plaza, Plaza, you're right, is the Spanish word for square, so that's where you're probably getting confused. Uh, But he is the co-director and co-writer of the Wreck franchise, or Wrecks 1 and 2 at least. Oh, I've got it written down on my notes as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave. Uh, okay, so... You do all that homework. <laughs> Number four, we have Tim and Faya. Tim and Faya. Is that park or wreck? Park. 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 Uh, yeah, you're all right, guys. Yeah, it is park. 12,000 acre park in Lanzarote. Uh, 
Uh, okay, so the next one is... I was just waiting there, like, waiting for somebody else to speak and before I realised that I'm doing a quiz. <laughs> uh, so the next one is uh, Cabrera Archipelago. Is that park or wreck? Archipelago. I love, <laughs> love the pronunciation. Absolutely love the pronunciation. It's one more time. Hang on, one more time. Uh, uh, what, what did you say, Dave? I said archipelago. What the hell did you say? Archipelago. No, 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 <laughs> that sounds Italian. Archipelago. If if it is archipelago, I mean, it could be a name, but I, I'm going to go with Park. 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 Uh, it's a name, actually. Really? <laughs> no, it's a no, park. It's, it's, it's a park. 24,000 acre park in the Balearic Islands. 24,000 acres? Oh my God. <laughs> Will you just get over the size of these parks? That's double the last one. We started on six and you're like, oh my but God. They, I think they're getting bigger. I see a theme coming on. There's more to the Balearics than the Ibiza, you know. <laughs> okay, and the... The acres is the next park in Ibiza. <laughs> the, the last one, the last one is Akimi Goto. Park or wreck? Uh, wreck. 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 It is wreck. It's the Japanese China, woman yeah. from the uh, beginning. Um, so I, I, um, I didn't realise that uh, the main actress, um, or the first actress that we're introduced to was Japanese. Uh, probably because the camera work was so shoddy. That- <laughs> <laughs> just keep putting in the boot in, doesn't he, when he's doing the quiz. Okay, uh, so before we come uh, to the final verdict, Alex, I imagine you've actually got some this trivia time this I week. do, yeah, so this time I do. So uh, my trivia is uh, Manuela Velasco um, is the actress who plays her... No, is she... She's actually a real TV presenter in Spain. So that is my trivia. I was hoping you'd pick up no, on that. No, yeah. <laughs> It's a good one. Okay, so now for my verdict. Um, so this time I actually haven't this I haven't seen the film this time, and you know we've had a bit of debate about what's the best thing as a judge to watch the film or not to watch the film. But it's been interesting to listen to this time because I really have no I had no con- concept of wreck. I'd heard you know it was a zombie film, but nothing much more. Um, you know, coming on some of the points you were saying, you know, it sounds like the handheld thing. You know, Gav was saying it was quite nauseating. Dave said it was actually quite immersive. It sounds, I like the idea of it being done by an actual cameraman. Uh, I think the idea of it letting you be a part of it's believable. It's believable that you could actually film it well. And, you know, I like the way what Joel was saying, it did sound like it had, it had, has sort of rejuvenated the zombie, which can be quite a tired genre. Sometimes when you go into it, you're sort of expecting the same tropes. So it's nice to see that, you know, you did see the witness beginning of the zombie outbreak. I really like the idea of mixing it between the religious and the biological. I thought that was quite in- innovative. Uh, you know, Gav was talking a lot about plot holes. Um, I'm not too bothered about plot holes in a zombie film, to be honest. Like, it doesn't particularly bother me that much. Um, you know, characters in zombie films make poor choices. And, you know, he's going to carry, carry the camera around with him because I want to see the film. So, you know, yeah, there are some things that aren't explained, but it does, for me, a plot hole is only when it really significantly messes with the plot and it just doesn't sound like those really messed with the, like, the actual enjoyment of the film. I don't think it stopped people from watching it. Gav, keep your head away from that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Gav also said the characters were 1D, which Dave and Joel sort of disagreed with. 
Um, you know, it sounds like it's kind of an immersive film that's set in real time. So, you know, maybe there isn't time for the characters to come through. It sounds like they actually did come through a little bit anyway, but there's not that much time in the film. I think if they did, it would break the tension, it sounds like. Um, you know, maybe too much shouting, but, you know, it sounds like this film is really, you know, there's a lot of... It sounds very immersive, and it sounds like, you know, this is what it would be like if you were trapped in a building. So there would be shouting. And, you know... Um, yeah, so, you know, for me, I think as not watching the film, the real test is, after listening to your arguments, would I want to watch this film? And I absolutely do want to watch Wreck now, so it's definitely a hit. So for me, yep, Wreck's on the hit, which I'm really glad because it was so... Hang on, what's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad it's uh, on. And also, one thing I wanted to say is, um, you know... I, you know, I lived in Spain for a little bit. I'm not an expert on Spanish culture. It's not like I know everything about it. But, you know, racism, you know, sometimes th- there is quite a lot of racism in Spanish culture, as there is in many different cultures. But I quite like the fact that it seems that I like the fact that that's being dealt with in the film through these racist characters. So I was very happy to hear that. So, yeah, made up. Love to put a Spanish film on the hit list. Whoop! Okay, well done, Joel. Um Oh, hello. Uh, right, so just going around the room. Uh, so, Joel, obviously this is a film that you like because you picked it for your choice, so that is your genuine opinion. Do you think it's the best? Um, best? Yeah, uh, it's genuinely one of my probably favourite films. Probably my favourite horror genre film, I would say. Um, I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, okay. Uh, my Tremendous. <laughs> oh nice good one uh, my genuine opinion is uh i i love it to be honest I, yeah uh, yeah genuinely genuinely love it i think it's 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 definitely one of if not the oh no no they're definitely one of my favorite uh, spanish films uh of all time i think it's really really good um and i really hated joel to be honest because i feel like we all picked uh, a proper marmite film you have a love it or you hate <laughs> it and joel picked probably one of the Best regarded, critically acclaimed horror films of the past ten years. Well, you think that, but honestly, like I say, have a look on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you know, kind of all the review sites. It's really mixed. Some people are putting it like one out of five. Some people put it like four or five out of five. Honestly, have a look on there. Yeah, but I, I, I genuinely love it. I do have to agree with some of the points that I did make, though. Um, I think the characters are very, very one-dimensional. And I think um, the dialogue is, is is quite poor in places. But I agree entirely with Joel and Dave and the fact that it's completely covered up by the frenetic, or the, like the frenzied pace throughout, which is like as soon as you get in, it's just like 100 miles per hour. You know, there's a couple of bits where you can catch your breath, but on the whole, it's that, it's that sort of like genuine, um, improvised sort of feel. Uh, the director's... They picked actors who weren't well-known. As you said before, the leading actress was actually a TV reporter, and that was to give it that sense of believability, and I think it definitely achieved it. But... um yeah. Okay, so you just lied, basically. I did, I did. Well, you've got to, haven't you? You tell me one I'm prosecutor. Not judging, that, I'm not uh, uh, so, so, um, so, Dave, what was your genuine opinion of it? Uh, I didn't stray too far from what I really think, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a great film. 
it's one of the best zombie films I think I've ever seen, to really? be honest. Yeah, it really I'm actually is. really excited about what you It really is brilliant. Uh, it's not perfect. Gav's right. There are some flaws to it. Um, but I think the dialogue, it is covered up by what, by the, the sense of believability of it all. You know, you're not going to get a guy doing snappy one-liners unless you're stuck with Gav in a, in a zombie apocalypse. It's not going to happen in reality, you know. You know? Uh, <laughs> is that a compliment? I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> you're not going to get someone doing snappy one-liners well, you know, there's, uh, there's people being attacked left, right, and center. So I think it's all in all quite uh, an alarmingly plausible horror film. And the, the final scene is just terrifying, to be honest. Awesome. Can't yeah, wait to see it. It is a rush if you watch it. Unless you're, you're slightly dead inside like Gav. And you <laughs> <laughs> now that is not a compliment. <laughs> that is an insult. I, I, I just want to say, like, so we've, you know, just to round up Halloween Horror Month... I think we've all successfully defended our films, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, all have been hit. That's four on. I mean, I think the last five films now have been on the hit list. So yeah, no. Wow, well, well, well done, everyone. So something yeah. on the shit list now. Fleshed out the uh, the hit list quite well, to be honest. Thankfully, so, um, Spear is still on there. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much, Joel. Uh, right. So um, before we draw a close to the film, uh, what do people think about uh, the film? What would they give it out of ten? Uh, is this for the IMBD score? Uh, yes. Uh, 9 out of 10. Ooh. I would say it's a horror film just because IMDb doesn't rate it that high. I'm going to put it, well, if you put it 9, then I'm going to put it 7. I'm going to say like 8.3. Still not many, lot, loads of people have seen it. It's actually 7.5, which... <laughs> For a horror film on IMDb is very, very good. It should be higher. Right. And um, we didn't do it last week, but is it higher or lower than Team at Night? I'd say it's higher. Which, like, I love Demon Night. I'd say Demon Night is on about six. Yeah, yeah. No, Demon Night is actually higher than I thought because horror films don't genuinely get a, a, a good rating. So it's 6.7. That's out not of bad. 10, actually. Which is not bad at all. all right. Uh, right. So um, before we draw a close, uh, we just need to discuss the caption contest. So for this film, I decided to go with a picture of the girl, uh, the so patient zero that we were introduced to right at the very, very end. I'll just show you guys for reference. Um, so we are introduced to that character right at the very end, well, through night vision goggles or night vision uh, camera work anyway. And it's the first kind of snippet that we get at this horribly ghoulish figure. So I've put that one up for a caption. And we have several back. So guys, uh, you are going to be judging which is the best, to be honest. Okay. The winner, remember, wins the very prestigious prize of a Freddo bar. A whole Freddo <laughs> bar. A whole Freddo bar. All to themselves. All to themselves. Wow. Right, uh, in right, date. In, in date and everything. <laughs> what? Right, for, for any of our listeners outside of the UK, Freddo bar is a lovely, delicious frog-shaped um, chocolate treat. <laughs> sorry, sorry. If, if any of our listeners outside of the UK win, are you going to have to ship a Freddo bar yes, across seas? Yes. Okay. Which is why you've got to be careful on who you choose. Well, I'd like you to say who and where they're from. Also, also for uh, for anybody outside of the UK, a Freddo bar is, is a tool that a lot of people use when talking about inflation <laughs> in our country. In my day, a Freddo bar used to be five <laughs> the cheapest of the cheap chocolate bars. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now it's 25 pence, guys. That is extortion. Scandalous. I can't believe Theresa it. Theresa May's got a lot of answer for. Anyway, right, so... <laughs> brr, drum roll, right. So the first one we have is Nan, 
question mark. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, right. <laughs> so, so you guys, you're, you're, you're going to be voting on laughs, I reckon. Okay. Uh, right. So, and uh, the next one is, I am here for the White Walker audition. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. Okay. Um, this, the next one is, what a Kardashian looks like minus all the surgery. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, we, then we have, uh, the superintendent at the local haunted house isn't so friendly, but the rent is cheap and the view... <laughs> and then the last one is Moaning Myrtle fell upon hard times after she was cut from the new High Potter films. Uh, I like that one. Uh, I did quite like that. I that with that one. Okay, it was, it, what are we Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle. Really? Okay then. Hey, <laughs> right, what did you okay. go for? Um, I was getting, there was another one I like, I can't remember which one it was. Right. Moaning Myrtle's won it. Okay, right, Mona Mel. I feel really, really bad to be honest because the winner of Mona Mel one was one that Austin submitted. You <laughs> <laughs> giving us a Freddy bar? Yeah, we're going to give him a Freddy bar next time he's here. He wasn't here today to help us set up, which is very frustrating because it's a very difficult job. So I think really he owes us a Freddy bar just for, <laughs> for the shit he's caused. One between four of us. Okay. <laughs> okay, I will put this as a rule now. None of the team or the external team, which includes our graphic designer and our music uh, hero, can submit captions for the caption oh, contest. eligible for Freddo's. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no Freddo's for that. <laughs> Even though I did buy multi-packs. <laughs> in, in anticipation. Wow. In anticipation. Anyway, right. Thank you very, very, very much for that, everyone. Um, just to say that that is the end of the Halloween Horror Month. Is everybody sad? I am, actually. I enjoyed it. One thing I won't miss is the Halloween soundbites. Oh, God, yeah. He's going to do none now. Yeah, yeah. Really? That's a heartbeat. No, oh, yeah. It's, that's the, that's the sound that of my heart breaking to the news that you don't like the Halloween horror soundboard that I've had. <laughs> Are we going to have one for Christmas? Oh, God. I, it's not that I've not liked it. I've... Fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are going to have one for Christmas. Uh, so just to say that for November, we're going to be returning to the old format in that we're going to be pu- pulling films randomly out of the hat. And whilst this show has been going on, we have picked the next film and it is the remake of Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. So very, very, very interesting one. So in the role of judge, we have me. In the role of prosecution, we have Alex. (laughs) In the role of defense, we have Dave. And in the role of character witness, we have Joel. So is everyone happy with those roles? I'm happy. happy. (laughs) (laughs) You know I'm not. Right, okay. Well, tune in next week to see how this pans out. Right. I just want to say, please, guys, uh, please submit your uh, your suggestions through our Twitter. All of the ones in the hat now are actually uh, ones that people have suggested. So that's quite good. We've actually gone through all of the films that we put in originally, and now we're just left with um, uh, friends and fan suggestions. Uh, so. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Film Trials. Please, please do give us a like and say, put in your film suggestions to be put on trial. Why don't you check us out on iTunes and on SoundCloud, www.soundcloud.com slash films dash on dash trial. Please give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a positive rating. Also, go back onto Twitter and give our 
companions a follow and uh, that's uh, winston sang at the underscore quirks he's our graphic designer he has excelled himself in mm. halloween horror month he has done a tremendous job so even if you want to think about films that you want to submit to be put on trial even if it's a case of you just want to see what a poster for that film with our faces over would look like please do submit a film suggestion also whilst you're on twitter give our music guru austin ray a follow at aussie ray also check out our new facebook page instagram uh, the others I don't know YouTube <laughs> WordPress whatever just type us into Google just, just go into Google type in Films on Trial and please give us a share and a subscribe we really really do appreciate all the support that we've had so far and we're very grateful uh, so just to say we will be back next week and we hope that you all will be too so without further hesitation I'd like to say goodbye to Halloween Horror Month <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye to you all we will hear you next week when we will be in your ears with Ghostbusters. Goodbye! Uh...